Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Tuesday edition of The Yard. Told you guys we'd have a programming note. No show yesterday. We'll do it today. Do it again tomorrow. Come back on Friday. I'm recording this show earlier than planned because due to weather, Mississippi State's practice session for the day has been pushed back. So uh, no practice update today, even though things uh, appear to be rolling along just fine. But um, today's practice moved back to 145. And so we'll be there, I don't know, maybe uh, three-ish, watch a little practice, do a few interviews, and uh, then we'll come home. And uh, we'll have some content for you over jeanspage.com. But uh, weather in the area, be safe out there, kids. Uh, Drove home from Knoxville yesterday. Had a great weekend with the wife, always do. Great time. Knoxville's a great town, too. Uh, It really is. I've enjoyed going up there. I'll be back up there a couple weeks. Going to go to the uh, Knoxville Tattoo Convention. You never know. Might get some more ink while I'm there. Already got an appointment set for November with my regular artist, but uh, you never know. I, I got inked up here two weeks ago. And I uh, got some work done on the lower fingers, which is uh, no picnic. No picnic, kids. But you never know. I've never been to a tattoo convention. That's the thing. That's one good thing I'll tell you about uh, having your best friend as a mate is uh, we enjoy so many of the same things. And uh, we like doing incredible stuff together. Stuff we've never done. So we're going to go to a tattoo convention and check it out. And uh, you never know. She's been jonesing for a tattoo anyway. So she's got a few, but uh, which I love. But the reality of it is, is get out and go have some fun together, kids. Going to have some uh, college football to get excited about here very, very soon. How cool does that think about? You know, we're, we're, in, we're in camp. We're in pads. Out there popping around a little bit. Next thing you know, we'll be uh, settling out to too deep. Work through these scrimmages, kind of figure out who we can trust. And then we'll be uh, getting ready to take on the Lions of southeastern Louisiana. Yeah, that's right. There was a time there wasn't even football at southeastern. People forget that. You know, back uh, they brought it back after, you know, a long hiatus with Hal Mummy in the air raid. Martin Hankins was a quarterback. I can tell you I was working in Hammond at the time. The whole city was alive due to the return of Lion football. And there you go. But uh, we'll, we'll take on those guys and we'll get after them a little bit and uh, have a little fun. Win a couple ball games, kind of get rolling a little bit. And we'll see how life works. But, uh, yeah, it's good to be back in Stark Vegas. As much as I enjoy travel, I, I enjoy being back here and uh, taking some steps towards um, finalizing the business stuff. Got the floor plan today. Be talking to some contractors. I want to thank everybody that sent their recommendations. So many of you are so gracious and kind. And I'll be honest with you, I have learned my lesson about doing business locally without the proper recommendation. So listen to me real quick here before we get into the show. So even your even your good friend and host has a name in this town. And there are a lot of people, of course, that would like to do business with me. And I appreciate that. I have learned the hard way that I can't just do my own research. I have to have you guys kind of reach out and let me know. Because if not, I get saddled with somebody that kind of works when they want to. I've had some problems with that in town. I'll just be honest with you. And uh, while I am self-employed, I have learned that not all self-employed people uh, employ the same work ethic that I do. 
And so again, I thank every one of you. There were so many people. They were so great and said, hey, Steve, these folks done a great job for us, or I've known these people for a long time. I've worked with these people. These are friends of our family. And uh, we've got it narrowed down, I guess, uh, two or three contractors, and we'll make some decisions here pretty soon and get going. And uh, excited to bring this wonderful new business to Starkville, Mississippi. I told you guys before, I'm not just committed to Mississippi State. I'm committed to Starkville. I shop and buy local every opportunity that I can. Not that sometimes I don't have to use a national retailer, because sometimes you do. I, I do buy a lot of stuff on Amazon, because yeah, a lot of times I don't want to go to Walmart. I can just order some things that maybe I don't need right away, have them ship it here, saves me a trip to Walmart. Nothing against Walmart, but it's just one of those things. Sometimes it just feels like such an imposition to have to go down there and walk around and push a cart, and, and then half the time the things that I really want aren't there. So a lot, lot, of, lot, of, lot of metal shirts make their way to my house, uh, courtesy of Amazon, right? Got a, got a Mother Love Bone shirt on the way. And unfortunately, I didn't know it when I ordered it, but it's coming from China. So who knows when it gets here. But uh, I wanted the shirt, and so I was willing to pay for it. And then I find that after I purchased it uh, through Amazon that it's coming from China. Nevertheless, uh, yeah, get out and support your local businesses. There are a lot of people out there, so many people, that uh, went to work on passion and a dream and to make our community a better place. And so it's always great when we can spend that money locally and support small business. And uh, we're going to be a small business, and I'll tell you this, nobody will ever love a true Reds franchise uh, more than Dana Robertson will. It is absolutely her baby. She cannot wait. Every time that I talk to her, she's always like, baby, I'm just so ready for this to start. I'm just so ready to be out of nursing. And so she's been a tremendous nurse for a long time, but I'm looking forward to uh, having somewhat of a normal life with her. So I've uh, been together a long time. And, and um, you know, the reality of it is, is that you know, there are different phases in life that you learn a lot about yourself, learn a lot about your relationship, and kind of learn what you mean to each other. And uh, that's been the case for me uh, for the last year. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company, too. I'm not married to them, but I may as well be. That's where I go get my hamburgers, right? I mean, it's the reality of it is if I want to go out and have a great restaurant-quality hamburger, there is no decision to make. I'm going to Bulldog Burger Company. I'm going to have the spring rolls as my appetizer because, you know, hey, listen, it takes a lot of work to be this beautiful because I don't get a lot of beauty sleep so I need the aids whenever I can get them. And those spring rolls do make you better looking. I get the, uh, the Nutella shake to go more times than not. Sometimes I'll have the bread pudding. That shipping bread pudding is outstanding. But listen, they call it Bulldog Burger Company for a reason. You go in there and you put your feet under their table and let them, let them serve you. They're going to do a great job for you. Get the Bryant. Get the Lauren. Get the Pimentology at Bacon. Maybe get the Mission. And when I do get the Mission... I get the pico de gallo on the side. Not a big onions guy, as you guys know. Uh, but go by. They, they've got something that will cure what ails you. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by and let them know how much you appreciate them. You're going to get great service, great food at a great price. And those amazing portions. It's, just, it's so substantial. I mean, it really, really is. I, I'm amazed sometimes that uh, they navigated this post-pandemic world about as well as anybody in the country because so many other people were giving you less and charging you more. 
or they were working in a little a convenience fee or a little service fee. And they said, well, we did that because we don't want to raise our prices. Well, then that change is the same. I'm still paying more for the products that I had pre-pandemic. And matter of fact, you're giving me less of them. That's just not the case. Truth in pricing, truth in advertising. Go by and check out Bulldog Burger Company today. The place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. I wanted to spend some time today kind of familiarizing you with your team. A lot of people like, hey, you know Will Rogers. Yeah, I know Jaden Wally. I know Woody Marks. I feel really good about those guys. Yeah, I know some of our offensive linemen. I know Bookie Watson. I know Jed Johnson. I know DeCamerion Richardson. There's some other names out there you're familiar with, but uh, we've got some transfers that have moved in that uh, are going to play a part in things. Now, I want to go ahead and tell you this. Right out of the gate, a lot of these guys that are transferring in are transferring in for playing time. They don't have substantial stats because a lot of times people look at these transfers and say hey well they should be plug and play guys that come right in and make an immediate impact I just don't think that's going to be the case maybe outside of tight end and that's not necessarily because these guys are so accomplished on the college level I think it's because of the fact that um, we've got a position of need and so as a result we're going to have new formations and new offensive philosophy they're going to benefit from that so Let's run through our transfers here and just kind of let you know what to expect and kind of give you a bit of their resume if we can. All right. So the, uh, the first transfer we're going to talk about is a guy that we're not expected to play this year. Matter of fact, I got confirmation today that he will not get a waiver. That's uh, Seydu Treor from Colorado, one of the best tight ends in the portal. But he's not immediately eligible because he's already used his one-time transfer exception. Uh, we've seen him working with some of the younger guys at the tail end of practice. We expect him to be a really big-time player for us. But he is not expected to make his debut until 2024. So a lot of people will see that and say, hey, what about the kid from Colorado? He is not eligible to play this year. He is not a grad transfer. So he will have to sit out. And even though we're the ones on the business end of this decision, it is the right decision. We can't have unlimited transfers and unlimited eligibility. You can't. You just can't. And uh, so you know, this transfer portal thing has been a big issue, as you guys can imagine. But uh, we've benefited from it for the most part, too. M- matter of fact, I would, I would suggest to you, outside of maybe losing uh, Fabian Lovett and Rara Thomas, that the net change for Mississippi State has been very positive. I think we have added better players than we have seen leave uh, by and large. You know, Ra Ra, of course, is a star, and Fabian Lovett's a future NFL guy. I hate, I hate that we lose them both. But the reality of it is Transfer Portal has been a positive thing for Mississippi State. NIL, a different topic altogether. We're not going to discuss that today. But going out and getting Seydoux Treor is a big, a big part of this. He's going to be a good player for us in time. But, again, not going to play this year. Okay, Kevon Lee, running back to transfer it in. Uh, from Penn State, he was a four-star running back out of high school and just missed being rated a four-star transfer. And uh, really, he comes in to be the replacement for Dylan Johnson. Looked good in practice so far. Uh, we, we, of course, we don't get to see the scrimmages, but uh, is he capable of toting the mail for us and being that secondary back? He absolutely can be. Uh, he has a career 222 carries with 1,062 yards over three years, and uh, was was injured some last year, didn't get a chance to play a whole lot. Uh, but this is a guy that's found the end zone, you know, seven times in his career. And so he is a good complimentary back for us. He's going to wear number 24. 
Number 24. So when you see that out there, you're going to remember, well, Steve told me he was 24. Yeah, because most people don't buy a program. But he is a guy that we do expect to have an impact. Is he a difference maker? No. Does he fill a need? He absolutely does. Will he be as good as Dylan Johnson? That kind of remains to be seen because DJ is a guy that ran hard for us. A guy that was very, very committed to his team when he was a part of this team. Of course, ultimately he has left and uh, uh, made the move to Washington. But um, I think Kevon can be a serviceable number two. And uh, a guy that's, you know, again, he has found the end zone. So it's not like he's just been a guy uh, playing in mop-up time, too. You can find, um, you know, some quality film out there from him. Is he a star? No. But certainly a guy that we expect some good things from. All right, hello again, Jarquavius Spivey. You recall that uh, we signed him out of high school, and uh, he was kind of the hero of the spring game uh, here in 2021 and then left and transferred to TCU. Well, now he's a grad transfer, and he's back. He's back. You can't blame him. Happy to have him back. Uh, well, wear number eight for us. Wore eight. Um, I can't remember what he wore. Maybe that wasn't right when he came in, in, in out of high school. But uh, he has not had huge numbers. Matter of fact, uh, one of his biggest years in his four years of play so far was the COVID year. He played for us, had 11 catches for 121 yards, had a couple of really big catches against Ole Miss to, to give us a chance to win that ball game. And then last year, 11 catches, 136 yards, and his first collegiate touchdown, a long of 23. So, again, he is not, he's not just set the woods on fire. But, again, he comes in. He is a walking mismatch. I think we'll utilize him. I think he'll do a good job for us. Is he a guy that you look up at the end of the year and say, man, this guy was tremendous for us? I, I don't think so. Again, I think he is a guy that was the jumbo X that is now playing his more natural position. And I think he is a guy, due to his catch radius and athleticism, uh, can really give some linebackers and safety some trouble. So, again, I don't expect him to be, uh, you know, Kellen Winslow Jr. or anything like that. But I do think Jaquarius Spivey is a great get for us. Another tight end, too, that you're, uh, you, you've been familiar with, but uh, maybe you don't know specifically how things have worked out for him. That's uh, Rylan Godet out of Georgia. Has played four years at the University of Georgia, appeared in 18 games. He has yet to catch a pass. So the first time that we complete a pass to him will be the first reception of his college career. And a lot of times you, you see, hey, well, he's coming from Georgia. He's got to be great. But he was good enough to play at Georgia and good enough to hang in there for four years. And he decided, you know what, I want to get on the field and I want to play a little bit more. And his most extensive action came last season when he played in 11 games but um, has been primarily more of a blocking tight end. We need that too. Uh, but again, he's not a guy that's going to fill up the stats sheet. But because of the fact that we didn't have any tight ends on the roster and we had to go out and get a more natural tight end, he fits a need for us. But again, production, in many respects, especially in the past pattern, has been essentially non-existent. Uh, Godet is going to wear number 80. Bulldog fans, many of us grew up in a time... We didn't lock our doors. We didn't feel the need to. We didn't have a need to. But the world is a much different place today than it was when we were much younger. Surely you've seen your neighbors have these video doorbells and things of that nature. You can have the same peace of mind, but also the convenience that you grew up with, with our friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y. Very, 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 very simple product here. Very easy to install, and you set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. No drilling required, no power tools, anything like that. 
You get the keyless entry. You don't have to fumble around with the keys when you got your hands full. You never have to worry about your kids losing their keys. Or perhaps you've got a rental property and you worry about people passing that key around. You also don't have the anxiety of having this battery that goes down on you. It's Guys, you got four months of power here, and you get a low battery notification before it runs out so you can charge it back up. It's pretty simple. There's no monthly fee, unlike a lot of other brands that charge you that fee. You can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. Uh, Ufi is also on standby for you 24-7, and you can get a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty, all backed by our professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or even live chat, which is awfully, awfully convenient. And here's the thing. There's just so much out there in the world these days. Wouldn't it be nice to know maybe who visited your door when you're out or perhaps have the security of knowing that you've got video surveillance anytime somebody comes to your door? We absolutely can. Make sure that you look for Eufy Video Lock. That's visit E-U-F-Y official.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete troll of your door. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice, or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tecovis does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours too. Be sure and check them out. Tecovis believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink. And maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer. And you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tecovis boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding. Whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at Tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explained the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. 
Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Eight at Mississippi State. I probably one of the most impressive transfers that we have is wide receiver Freddie Roberson. Freddie is very accomplished, uh, makes his way to Mississippi State from Eastern Washington. Uh, really excited about him. This is a guy that's put up some big numbers and uh, has caught 33 or more passes in three of his four collegiate seasons. The one year he did was his freshman year in 19. He had 14 catches for 220 yards and a touchdown. The COVID year, which is why he still has the ability uh, to play another year of college sports, 33 catches, 470 yards, uh, three touchdowns. Also carried the football a couple times, uh, had a long of 42. 2021, his uh, best year as a collegiate player, 49 catches for 779 yards, averaging 15.9 yards a catch. We'll take that. Six touchdowns, a long of 86. Also ran the football a little bit too. 2022 last year, comparable to his 2021 year. 44 grabs, 773 yards, 17.6, which is the longest average catch of his career. Seven touchdowns, also a career high. And uh, had one carry for, for seven yards. So they, they used him some, and, and we'll use him some too. Uh, he is a guy that um, Zach Arnett kind of singled out here recently and said, hey, he kind of banged up a toe yesterday and said, no, nah, well, I'm going to go. You know, a lot of guys may have, have sat out. But uh, Roberson's a guy we expect to be uh, a big-time player for us. And, uh, you know, we, we've talked so much about who we have coming back. And a lot of times I don't know that people fully appreciate what you have in Freddie Roberson. He will wear number 19 for us, 6'2", 195-pound wide receiver uh, from Seattle, Washington. So uh, far removed from his regular stomping grounds. But uh, this is a guy I think we're going to look back. If we talk about difference makers in the portal, I think he can be a difference maker for us. I think he certainly can be. And, again, we're going to wear number 19 for us. All right, another guy that you should expect to see a lot of. Now, Will Rogers is the starter right? But Mike Wright is a guy that has some SEC skins on the wall. Mike, of course, was a starting quarterback part-time at Vanderbilt. First saw him back in the COVID year of 2020, and uh, he still has two years of eligibility remaining should he elect to use them. In the COVID year, played sparingly, and then uh, in 2021, 10 games, 53% completion percentage, 93 of 175 for 1,042 yards. Eight touchdowns, six picks. And then last year, 10 games again, 85 of 148. Completion percentage up well over 4%, uh, the 57.4%. And then 975 yards passing, uh, 12 touchdowns. And then so touchdowns are up, interceptions are down with four. Quarterback rating the highest of his collegiate career at 134-1. But you know, Mike is more of a dual-threat guy. Uh, looking at him, the receiving numbers, I mean, rushing numbers, excuse me, Uh, For last year, again, the most efficient passing year of his career, and in addition to that, 71 rushes for 517 yards for five touchdowns. He also caught a pass for a loss of 11 yards. I don't know how often we'll do that. But, uh, you know, five touchdowns rushing. And so, again, I expect to see him in some short yardage situations. I expect to see him in the red zone because it gives people a different look. They've got to prepare for that. Uh, maybe you run some gadget stuff with him. Mike's going to wear 14 for us. 
I have yet to find anyone with anything negative to say about Mike Wright. Everybody talks about what a great teammate he is, how he kind of accepted his role, uh, and is a guy that just wants to make Mississippi State a better team. All right, uh, Jacoby Albert, you know, he was a big-time recruit out of high school. Uh, that was a good get for Kentucky. You can call it for what it is. Uh, you know, good guy, right? Now, what, what are we going to do with Jacoby? Well, Jacoby right now, running Mason, mainly a second team, going to wear number 15 for you. Uh, last year, his debut, uh, played in three games, made three tackles. So if we need to, we can consider that a redshirt year. So he could conceivably still have uh, the full four years to play. But, yeah, this is a guy, this is a good get for us. Not a lot of production, but a lot of potential. We do think that he is a future starter for us here. We'll see him. He's currently listed as a sophomore. But the reality of it is is that um, we brought the Fairfield, Alabama native home. He'll have an opportunity to get on the field. We do expect him to, to make the two deep and, uh, you know, be a good special teams guy as well. But, again, I think long term, pretty excited about his potential. 5'11", 180-pound safety. All right, kicking game, you know, that's the thing. It's been, um, you know, one of those things that we kind of had to deal with. Last year was decent, wasn't great, got better as the year went along. Massimo Biscardi with some big kicks, uh, big kick against Auburn, of course, and a big kick against Illinois. So, you know, as the year went on, we got better. Uh, Nicholas Barmira is your new kicker. After four years at UCLA, his freshman year was the COVID year, which enables him to have one more year of eligibility, obviously. Uh, and he's been good. I won't say he's been great, he's been good. His freshman year, he was 6 of 7, and then 14 of 21, and then last year, 15 of 21. Last year, he made all 61 extra point attempts, which is the first time in his college career he's made every extra point attempt. He's 143 out of 147 in extra point attempts. It's not like it's been a big issue, but in 21, he missed three of them. That could be the difference in a win and a loss, right? Uh, but 35 of 49 in his field goal attempts. And uh, actually did some punting last year for him, too. Average 42 and a half. Uh, so it's nice to get a guy that's, uh, you know, skilled in both kicking disciplines. But that he is expected to be your kicker. He's going to win number 82 for you this year. All right, Christopher Keys uh, out of Collins, Mississippi. It's always nice to get those guys back. And Indiana and those guys have done a good job kind of recruiting Mississippi uh, here in the last several years. And that the connection, of course, is Tom Allen from his time at Ole Miss. But uh, – Christopher Keyes, freshman year at Indiana, was the COVID year. In 2021, played sparingly. 2022, uh, you know, 10 games and made 15 tackles. And then, you know, we'll see what happens with him this year. Got two years of eligibility left, counting this year. So, again, a guy from our home state had a chance to transfer back. He is the guy we expect some big things from. A guy that kind of made himself as a senior in high school played his way into some Power 5 opportunities. So it's good to get him back. Chris is going to wear number 27 for you. 27. And, uh, you know, how much does he factor in this year? Well, I'd say certainly on special teams and probably as a two-deeper. That's where you're going to see him play. He's a guy that has some corner tendencies, could be a safety. I think we're pretty much – I think we're really athletic at corner. I don't think we have to use him there. But uh, he's a guy that gives you some versatility. All right, uh, Kamari Rogers, and you may recall all the stuff about uh, wearing a single-digit number. He's going to wear 18. 
Uh, but Kamari, of course, is a guy from, you know, Holmes Central, uh, a guy from a program that has routinely produced Power Five prospects, and Mississippi State has done a really good job recruiting those prospects. Uh, Kamari goes to Miami after the uh, torn ACL. That's my concern with him. You know, he's had a couple of major knee injuries, and uh, he does look great, though. I'll tell you this, and just watch him out there running around. He doesn't like he has any ill effects from that, so he is he is back. But uh, last year played in one game uh, and made a tackle, and a lot of that too was just because he was rehabilitating. Uh, a torn ACL. So he did manage to get on the field later in the year, which says a lot about his own commitment to his own recovery. And so his first legitimate college action is going to come this year, first extensive. How much does he play? It depends on him. I think right now, if I had to, we had to go play a game tomorrow, I think DeCarlos Nicholson is on one corner and DeCam is on the other. But I do think Kamari's going to play uh, a good bit. And as long as he's healthy, I think this is a guy that, uh, you know, could be one of the next great Bulldog Corners in the uh, Church of Macbeth. I like Kamari. I do. Um, out of high school, I was a little bit worried about his size. And um, he has addressed a lot of that in the weight room. When I first saw him, he was really, really thin. But he's filled out his frame a little bit and appears to be back to good health. So we expect some good things from him. Uh, Radar Jones, or Radarius Jones, depending on where you're from, uh, former quarterback at Horn Lake, and then, trend, and then signs with LSU, goes down there in the COVID year, has played rather sparingly, 21. He was in four games, made nine tackles, and had a pass defense, and then sat out the 2022 year due to academics. Did not participate in spring practice for us. He is now a full member of the team uh, and is out there running around. Go away number 13, which is the number formerly occupied by the great Emmanuel Forbes, who was expected to start as a rookie in the National Football League. And I'll be honest with you, that's one of those guys that really surprised me. He really did. I, I, when I first saw him, I thought, man, this kid is so thinly framed. Just don't know what to expect. We've got a first-round draft pick out of that thing. Says a lot about him, for sure. But uh, Radar has all the raw materials to be good. And I think he needed a reset. I think him getting out of Baton Rouge is a good thing for him. You also, uh, you know, depending how how things shake out that academic year, you could always ask for a waiver once his eligibility has been exhausted. Uh, but technically, technically, he's a junior. Technically, and so I think some people list him as a senior, uh, but that's not actually correct because you got 20, 21, 22, 23, and then one of those years didn't count. And so he is listed as a junior, but I think there is the uh, Provided he takes care of academics, you could almost uh, use it like an old Prop 48 and probably get that year back. And we'll see. Of course, every decision is a little bit different. But the reality of it is he has only appeared in four collegiate games. And so I, I, I spread this out to you for a couple reasons. Number one, let, let's understand what we have. Let's understand what they've done and what is a reasonable expectation. By and large, outside of uh, Nicholas Barr Mira and Freddie Roberson, you don't have a lot of big numbers. Mike Wright, of course, has done some good things there at Vanderbilt. But you've got a lot of guys here that are basically rebooting their college careers. They don't have a ton of production under their belt. That's not to say they're not going to come in here and set the woods on fire. But I think it's important to be kind of measured in our expectations when it comes to these transfers. Because like you know, the only things you ever hear about, like, well, this guy transferred. Like, oh, well, we got to take more transfers. Well, this is kind of what the portal bears 
for a lot of programs like Mississippi State. And again, you're getting potential. You're getting guys that know what it's like to go through off-season conditioning. You know guys that understand the grind of an SEC schedule, by and large, or a Power 5 schedule, or at the very least a D1 schedule. So they know how to work. And so they hit the ground running when they get here. And you got to think, too, I mean, all hope springs eternal when it's a brand-new situation. Like, you look at Rowland Godet, I mean, first time he catches a pass in a ball game, he want to spike the football, right? But we need blocking tight ends. We need pass-catching tight ends. We need dual-threat tight ends. We need guys to get out there and do everything we need to do in the tight end discipline. We're rebuilding that room. And so it makes perfect sense that he would want to come here and for us to be attracted to him. Obviously, he's been around – a championship program for two years. So that's a guy that's going to understand what it takes, even though he's a guy that was not, you know, especially productive. And when you play behind the John Mackey Award winner, that's kind of what happens, right? But uh, he had a role at Georgia. He utilized that role. And then when I'll come here and uh, and see if he can't, you know, get on the field and put some stats together. And so, again, I, I feel good about our group, but I think it's important to understand these transfers are not going to transform our team. There are some guys that will add some value to it, but they're not going to come in here and just absolutely change things. What's going to what's going to take place this year is a veteran roster of Mississippi State against a very advantageous schedule is going to be a good football team. And it's not going to be relying on transfers. It's going to be about what, what we've built, what we've recruited and developed, and the experience that we return. We're not looking for some transfer to come in here and save us like some other programs were. People forget we won nine games last year. Nine. And then we've got most of that team back. And then we've supplemented. You know, is Freddie Roberson going to match the production of Rara Thomas? You know, I don't know. It's possible. He may not. But I think he gets us close enough. I think we're okay in that respect. And, and again, you know, a lot of these guys we're talking about here outside of the tight end position are not guys that we expect to start. You know, of course, you're going to throw a kicker out there. But by and large, these guys are going to be two deepers this year, special teams players this year. So expect them to make a contribution, but don't expect them to be stars this year. It's just not fair to them, right? But outside of a rebuilt tight end room, I don't think you're going to see a lot of guys on offense. Uh, they're going to come in here and take jobs from other people. All right, time for today's top ten list. It's always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Guys, Blair tells me you guys are keeping him busy, and that's a good thing, man. I like people that advertise with us, and uh, the thing that I always hear, you know, I've had most of these local advertisers for years. There's a reason for that. It's because it's it's mutually beneficial. It's good for me. I put a few bucks in my pocket. It's good for them. They put a lot of bucks in their pocket. And you get matched up with a quality business or service that is worthy of your attention. And that's close at Blair.com. And I love it when Blair texts me. He's like, hey, I got a boneyard lawn here. I got a boneyard lawn there. It's, it happens. You're right? And so if you're interested in advertising too, reach out. I got one spot available. That's it. And if you, and if, if you get enough money, maybe we can work in a second one. But I don't want to inundate people. That's one of the reasons I keep making the show. Uh, longer over the years we started out doing this thing 30 minutes a show 30 minutes then they kept piling ads on me that i didn't i didn't make any money on but we i read them so i made the show longer and we went to an hour then we began to have these national advertisers reached out to us so we went to 90 minutes because i wanted you to get more show than ads i just want to sit there in a 30 minute show and read you 
10 minutes of ads. It's just not what I want to do. Uh, but reach out to Blair at closewithblair.com. Blair at 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. 22 years of experience in the mortgage lending business. Nobody stays in any industry 20-plus years by accident. And there's a reason. Top 1% close ratio in the country. This is a guy that can get you to the closing table uh, when chances are most people can't. You know, Blair is a guy that has seen it all and done it all. Work, works for Fairway Mortgage, right? Reputable company. And uh, again, I, people have reached out and said, hey, this whole thing about the 18-year-old thing absolutely could work for you. If your child is 18 or older, you can co-sign on a mortgage and allow them to build up some adult credit, but also to put them in a position to make a dream of home ownership happen earlier for them in life. And also, maybe you're thinking, you know what, Steve, they're not going to stay in Starkville or Hattiesburg or, or Oxford forever. And so maybe instead of you throwing your money away at rent, when your child graduates and gets ready to move on and take their real job, you can sell that property and recoup some of your investment. How about that? That's a cool thing. Blair's got all the details. Again, 601-500-2344. All right. We're going to do a little metal core today. A lot of times I'll think about bands we hadn't, I hadn't listened to in a while, whatever, and I'll hit Roy up and say, have we done these? And sometimes he'll say, yes, we have. We have not done Kill Switch Engage. And some people are like, see, I've never heard of them, including Roy. That's the thing I think about sometimes. It's like we've lived much different experiences. But uh, Kill Switch Engage is a metalcore band. You say, Steve, what is metalcore? Well, it's basically, it's metal, right? But there is some uh, melody in it as well. So you, you've got some screaming for emphasis sakes, but uh, there is also, you know, you can understand the verses. There's a lot of this stuff out there that is uh, just yelling for the sake of yelling. But uh, they're a band from Westfield, Massachusetts, formed back in 1999, and uh, have released, what, eight, nine albums now? I think that's right. A lot of people know Kill Switch Engage, and uh, they have appeared on some video game soundtracks. They also uh, wrote the uh, and performed... Randy Orton's walkout music, the WWE superstar, the legend killer. So you're probably somewhat familiar with Kill Switch Engage, but maybe you didn't know that you were. Pretty incredible, right? All right, so let's jump in here. The top 10. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about this because we've got some other things we've got to get to. Uh, number 10. Number 10. One that maybe didn't make everybody's list. It's Daylight Dies, number 10. Daylight Dies, number 10 for me. Number nine, My Last Serenade. Great track here. Number eight, they actually bring both singers into this. Both. Uh, Je let's see, Jesse Strozel. No, that's not right. Jesse Leach, excuse me. My goodness. Jesse Leach was the vocalist from 99 to 2002. He leaves. They replace him with Howard Jones. Not, not that Howard Jones. Not the don't try to live your life in one day. Not, not that. And things can only get better. We may do a Howard Jones list. Uh, but Howard Jones, the metalcore vocalist, was then with Kill Switch for a decade from 2002 to 2012. And then they bring Jesse Leach back. Well, this great song, The Signal Fire, has both vocalists. Again, there's no beef or anything like that. Number seven, uh, one of the more popular songs in recent years is Unleashed. Number six, there are probably times in my, my life that my wife's favorite Kill Switch song has been this one, Hate by Design. No, it's got nothing to do with me, smarty pants. It's a great track. 
a lot of aggressiveness to this one. Number five, this has been one of my favorite Kill Switch songs, and um, there's a video for this too, and uh, there's a story behind the song, and uh, I don't know which member of the band it was, but um, they lost a brother, and that's what the song is about. You know, I'm with you always. You know, and it's a song about, I get chills just saying that. Um, it's one of those songs about remembrance, about losing somebody close to you. Um, some people have kind of misinterpreted it as a love song. It is, it's love in the purest form, but not a romantic love. It's love for somebody that you've kind of grown up with or it's been an integral part of your life. And it's basically letting them know that you're going to be with them even after death. Number four, I am broken too. And uh, this is just kind of admitting where we are. You know, we're all living the same human, human experience on this third rock from the sun. We've all got issues. We all have challenges. And the, the people that say they don't have a challenge are people that live in denial. We all have a cross to bear. Uh, you can go back. That's biblical, right? Every one of us has a challenge and a test in life. Every single one of us. And sometimes the test proves to be too much. But, you know, You've heard me talk a lot about you know recovery on this show, and some of you probably get sick of it. But um, the reality of it is, is that you know learning to deal with that and living life on life's terms allows us to kind of pick up the pieces and kind of move forward. Uh, I think acknowledging weakness or brokenness is a strength. There are some people, of course, that exercise that muscle more than others, and uh, it comes off as, as whining. But uh, we Mississippians, for the most part, kind of have a quiet dignity about ourselves. I think sometimes that's not always healthy. I think it's okay to tell people you're struggling. It's okay to tell people that you're hurt. You know, it is. And I know sometimes, especially in relationships, you get scared to say, well, I don't want to say this because I don't want to make them mad. I don't want to lose them. I don't want them to think I'm unhappy. But you are unhappy. And maybe you're not unhappy with a relationship, but maybe you're just unhappy with one, one aspect or maybe something they've done. And if you can't be you, if you can't speak your mind, you're not in a relationship. It's just how I see it. And you got to be able to show that. So listen, here's the deal. I want to make a big thing out of about this, but this happened the other day. And it kind of upset me. It hurt my feelings. It made me mad. It made me feel lesser than, you know. you got to be able to talk about that because you train people how to treat you. Number three, and this was a great, 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 great hit for them. It's the end of Heartache. Great track. The guitar on this is absolutely incredible. The vocal was good. Uh, be sure and check this one out. That's one I think a lot of people will, oh, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Number two, this may not be as high on your list. I absolutely love it. And it, and one of the reasons that I like it, it's a little more radio friendly. Uh, I like the rest of the catalog, but I like the fact they kind of stepped out a little bit and did this track that uh, is really, really, really positive. And the guitar on it just absolutely wails. It's in due time. One of the more recent hits, in due time, all in due time. You know, things are going to get better, Howard Jones told us, but uh, I, I dig it. Number one for me, though, man, I love this one. This is one of those ones you can put on and crank the radio up when you're by yourself. You can hit that gas pedal. You can grit your teeth. It's my curse. This is my curse. Amazing track. The lyrical content may not apply to you, but this is a rocking track. I think it's the best song in the catalog, which is why it's number one. Now, there are some of you that love cover songs, and I do. I, I love somebody that does a great 
rendition. And maybe they keep the spirit of the original, but they kind of make it their own. Kill Switch did that too. This didn't make our list. And maybe Roy will be kind enough to throw it on there as a bonus track. But Kill Switch engages cover of Dio's Holy Diver absolutely rips. It is one of my favorite cover songs of all time. I can't even begin to imagine what Ronnie would say if he heard that. To hear the majesty of that great track performed by metalcore band at the top of their game. It's amazing how good that song is. So if you like Dio, and uh, I know my buddy Jeff Murrah does, you got to get down with Kill Switch Engage's cover of Holy Diver. It is absolutely legit. Be sure and check it out. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, and many of you do, a lot of people hit me up, we've already done them, and uh, we will try to go find them for you. Uh, hit us up. You can find me on all forms of social media at Scout Steve R. And then, of course, Roy on Twitter and Spotify at Dogmatic67. That's D A W G M A T I C. Dogmatic67. Check myself. Uh, and you can find our great list over there. And give Roy a follow on Twitter, make it easier for you. But uh, especially if you're not a Spotify person, I'm not. I'm Apple Music, but I appreciate Roy's contributions to our show. But uh, you can check out our list, and I've had many people that reach out, and they'll say, hey, Steve, I think you blew it on this one. And that's okay. It's okay. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It's all opinion, right? There are a few bands out there that I can't stand, and people will be like, I don't understand why you hate on them. Well, because they suck. How about that? They're not any good. You may disagree, and that's okay. This is America. You have the right to be wrong, and many people exercise that right more than others. But uh, we can all agree. I, I try not to be a music snob, but there are just some bands out there. I, I think to myself, how in the world did these guys get a record deal? And what in the world happened? And you listen to them, and, and then all of a sudden, somebody be like, hey, have you heard this new song from so-and-so? Yes, I have. I, I have. What did you think? I thought it was terrible. And there's so many monotone people out there. I mean, it's like, maybe I should record again. You know, maybe. Maybe I should. You get behind the mic, get the mix pad going, get in the box. Because, man, I tell you this, it, th there are a lot of bands out there that are proof positive that nearly anybody can get a record deal these days. Just about anybody. And, and it's so watered down these days because everybody can record from home and they can release it and put stuff on... Apple Music and iTunes, and I think some really good music gets overshadowed because there is just, you know, there's just so much. But that's the reality of the world in which we live in. Everybody's a star these days or an influencer or a queen or a king or whatever. You know, I'm just a, uh, I'm just a mere scribe from South Mississippi, from small town Mississippi. That's, you know, that's all I'll ever claim to be, right? Uh, I love what we do. I do. But uh, my delusions of grandeur are in recovery. Uh, I, I still like to get out here and go chase some really cool stuff, but the reality of it is is that uh, I also understand my limitations. You know, Not to say that I won't try things. I may, I may just not release it to you guys. But I try a lot of stuff. I do, and I encourage you to do the same thing too. But also understand we're not all kings and queens. We're not. We're not all rock stars. Not everybody can be a scientist or a doctor or cure cancer. You know, we all have a role to play. I think it's important to accept that, except this is my role in life, period. That's me. Yeah, because guys, I'm going to tell you this. You know, you look around us. I mean, there's millionaires all around us, million-dollar ideas. 
that make our lives easier. We wouldn't have them if everybody wanted to be a rock star. You know, we just wouldn't. So everybody can be a rock star in their field. Nothing's stopping you there. Right? Go out and be as good as you want to be. But nevertheless, uh, that's how I see it. Maybe you see it differently, and that's okay too. We can still be friends. We can be friends and rest in disagreement. That's what, that's what maturity is, uh, and, and long-term recovery has taught me. I, I heard this in a meeting one time. I'll never forget this. That one of the best things about long-term recovery is I have learned to be okay with you being wrong. Instead of being the constant corrector, kind of jump in there, hey, you know, you got to do this. No, 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 you're wrong. You got to do this. No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm, I can be okay. I'm not going to let it harm my serenity. I'm going to just let you rest in your wrongness. It's fine, especially if I've already tried to tell you, right? Uh, but the reality of it is, is I'm wrong a lot too. And uh, I got some people in my life that love me and hold me accountable, right? And so it's important that we all have those kinds of people. But, you know, we're not all kings and queens. No matter what they tell you on Instagram, we're not. We're not. Some of you guys are the, are the jesters, right? It's part of the deal. You can be a page or a squire. You can still eat good and have a good life. But we're not all kings and queens, no matter what they tell you. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Stark Billion institution. Campus Bookmart. I always encourage you to buy and shop local because it's really what we should do. And Campus Bookmart's been doing a better job than anybody when it comes to procuring and shipping and providing Mississippi State merchandise to a wonderful Bulldog fan base. Go by and see their smiling faces next time you're in town, neatly positioned on the backside of campus. Swing in there, pick up your wares, and take a right. Tour through Zacharias Village. Next thing you know, you're right there at your parking. Go check it out. If you can't make it to town, or perhaps game day is a difficult shopping day for you, visit them on the World Wide Web. Don't go use some third-party people that won't benefit the greater Starkville area. Go to campusbookmark.net, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet. And use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over $75. And the order less than $75, absolutely incomplete. Be sure and check them out next time you're in town. And if you can't, go ahead and outfit your family, courtesy of the World Wide Web but campusbookmart.net. A lot of new stuff. Miss Kathy Brown's loading up for you guys to make sure that you get the latest and Mississippi State merch. Be sure and check it out today. All right, let's talk about LSU. We're going to play those guys again this year. I like this LSU team, and uh, I they could certainly win the West. They did last year, certainly ahead of schedule, right? I mean, I don't think anybody fully expected LSU to win it last year. They did. They did. Part of the deal. And it's so interesting in hindsight, people are like, well, you know, they, they probably should have done this. I don't think anybody expected them to get to Atlanta last year. I mean, to be honest, which again shows you what a great job Brian Kelly and the staff did, and Jaden Daniels. I like this LSU team. But the fact that they've got to go to uh, Alabama, that, that could be the difference, right, in, uh, in how the, the West is won. I think, we all see, I think we all see it the same way. And I think, again, a lot of people are, are projecting that maybe Alabama's not going to be what Alabama has been. But, you know, when, when Nick tends to have those years where maybe they don't reach their goal, they tend to strike back really hard the next year. 
That's usually how it works. But uh, let's take a look back at the 2022 LSU Tigers schedule. That's a game we should have won. I think we all see it that way. I think uh, there's no way you're going to talk us out of that. A 10-4 season for the Tigers. 6-1 at home, 3-1 away, and 1-2 on a neutral field. But, you know, early in the year, people were like, you know what, I don't know how good this LSU team is going to be. They lose the kickoff in the All-State Louisiana kickoff to Florida State 24-23. Crazy ending to that game, in case you've forgotten. But Florida State wins. The next week, they beat Southern 65-17. And we go down there, we lose 31-16. People forget we had the lead in the fourth quarter and couldn't close the deal. Offensively, we were not at all where we needed to be later in that ball game. It seemed like we could do pretty much what we wanted to early. We missed some opportunities, and it came back to, to get us late. Of course, we muff a punt. It puts him right back in the mix. And then we couldn't stop the run. Jaden Daniels killed us, too. Jaden Daniels in this ball game, And uh, I said after this ball game, I didn't know if he'd survive the season, and that wasn't being critical of him. It's just that, you know, as much running as he was going to have to do and he liked to do, in the Southeastern Conference, that kind of stuff usually gets to you after a while. But give him a lot of credit. Guy was outstanding. And you look at the uh, the rushing numbers here, guys. He ran 16 times for 93 yards and a touchdown along a 20. But it seemed like every time we had him in third and long, and we'd have good coverage, and we couldn't contain him, Daniels would outrun our backers. The next thing you know, it's trouble. He threw uh, 210 yards against us and was sacked three times. But, yeah, you start looking through the numbers here. I mean, you know, it's the difference in the games, their ability to run the football. We ran for 75 yards. They ran for 207. You know, the passing, we actually outpassed them in the ballgame. But they got back to what they do. They slowed us down. They began eating up clock, and they beat us 31-16. The next week, they beat New Mexico 38 to nothing. Kind of a pedestrian game. And then they, they beat a pretty average Auburn team 21 to 17 at Auburn. And then they got absolutely punched in the face. In the face by Tennessee in Tiger Stadium 40 to 13. You're thinking, man, these guys are done. They are who we thought they were. Mississippi State lets them off the hook. You know, you start running through this deal here and you start thinking these guys, you know, probably should already have three losses. They go on the road to Florida the next week. Very impressive offensive game plan. They out-athlete Florida 45 to 35. And then they bring Ole Miss in for homecoming. And uh, a lot of people thought, oh, you know, Ole Miss is going to win this game. Ole Miss is for real. And I remember telling you guys then, no, they're not. They're not for real. They go down there in that CBS ball game. Jaden Daniels, an outstanding game against Ole Miss. Uh, 23 carries for 121 yards and 21 of 28 for 248 yards and two touchdowns. Great game for him, and he was really the difference in the ballgame. That's the thing. You go back and, you know, you look at all this stuff, you're kind of in hindsight. You know, it, it felt like that Ole Miss was going to run away with this ballgame. It was 14-3. After one quarter, you think, yeah, man, Ole Miss, maybe they're, they're good. LSU outscored them 28 nothing in the second half. They win the second quarter 14-6, and after that great first quarter for Ole Miss, 
They get outscored 42-6. to 42-6. to six. Again, LSU out-athleting Ole Miss. And then you think, okay, this is big. This is big. Maybe they'll have a bit of a hangover effect. They didn't. They hosted Alabama and win the game in overtime 32-31 to take kind of control of the West. They get Arkansas. Again, a tough ball game, 13-10, but they win it. Jaden Daniels didn't have a great day. They still found a way to get it done. They get UAB 41-10, and then they get absolutely shocked in, this, in the regular season finale by A&M, 38-23. So, again, you look back at this and you say, you know what? This was not a great LSU team, but they still managed to win the West because they won the games that mattered. I mean, of course, they all matter. But the reality of it is they, they weren't just, you know, dominating people. And a lot of times coaching is the difference in close ball games. And, again, that says a lot about Brian Kelly. It does. They found a way to beat Alabama close, found a way to beat Auburn close, found a way to beat Arkansas close. And you look back and say, you know, hey, three plays go a different way. The same is said for every team. But LSU found a way to win ball games, and then they get they get smacked in the SEC championship game as everybody expected. They didn't have the same caliber of athlete, fifty to thirty, and then they take on Purdue in the uh, the Citrus Bowl, sixty three to seven. Wow. So good year, but again, I don't think they were a great team. I think they had a great year, but in year one under Brian Kelly, I think you look back and say, you know what? It's a well-coached team. It is. Now, so what do you have back this year? Well, obviously, you got Jaden Daniels back. You know, one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the country, a guy that can make you pay. They, they do some design runs with him, but a lot of stuff he does is kind of on his own and kind of make some things happen. And I remember some people were like, well, you know, LSU should have done this. Guys, based on the talent they have in year one, that's an outstanding result for LSU. Absolutely outstanding. All right, so let's take a quick look here. And, uh, again, you know, the running game, I think, is going to be good as long as Brian Kelly is there. I don't know that you need a star running back. Maybe you do. I don't know. But I know this. I know that that offensive line last year was kind of up and down at times, but they're going to return a lot of those guys off of too deep. They uh, had some trouble – with pass protection, but I think some of that was Jaden Daniels kind of, you know, learning the SEC. There were some coverage sacks, and a lot of that, too, people look at the numbers, and they automatically attribute sacks to, to poor offensive line play. A lot of times, it's a quarterback that hangs onto the football too long, and that was the kind of the case when we played him, too. We were able to get after him a little bit, too, uh, because I think we confused him. You know, I don't know that he saw a whole lot, but I think that's why his athleticism kind of took over some in that second half. But uh, – Daniels has added some mass this year, and so I think you're going to see him you know, probably be willing to run a little bit more in short yardage situations. But um, yeah, this is a guy that led the team in rushing last year. And so you need to have a complimentary player there. But they, they're going to have to call some plays and make that happen. They're going to have to. Uh, Logan Diggs comes in from Notre Dame. That'll be interesting. Noah Kane could be a guy for them. Keishon Butte is gone after a disappointing senior year. Malik Neighbors is uh, projected by many to be an, an all-SEC uh, guy this year, and he should be. 72 catches for 1,017 yards as a freshman. That'll be interesting. 
Uh, Kyron Lacey's a guy that uh, they, they expect to make a big jump there, so we'll, we'll see. But, uh, you know, offensively, the pieces are pretty much as they were. And it's one of those things you look at and say, hey, if you can make Jaden Daniels be a quarterback and make him beat you throwing the football, can he do it? Well, that's easier said than done. I don't know that he can because I think he needs the dual threat option. And I think that's one of the things that makes him so special is when things do break down, he is athletic enough to go do some pretty special things for you. I don't know that LSU is going to have to score a ton of points this year, though. Defensively, should be pretty good, especially in the front seven. Um, you know, uh, you look at some of these numbers. Of course, you know, Tennessee kind of victimized that LSU secondary, which was, was up and down, right? And there were times last year that, uh, you know, Teams are able to spread them out and run the football. you got to be able to play well in space, and that's kind of been a tenet of the LSU experience. You know, linebackers that are rangy and athletic. You know, we'll see. You know, um, Mason Smith, obviously a big loss for them last year. He's back this year. That guy's going to be, be a pro for a long time, provided he stays healthy. Had the torn ACL last year. But uh, he's good to go, right? You got Mikhail Wingo and, of course, uh, a handful of other guys out there. But, you know, we'll see what happens without Ojolari and Allegay. Will they be able to be the same pass rushing team they were a year ago? Will they hit the portal pretty hard? So we'll see. Harold Perkins may be the SEC Player of the Year. I voted him SEC Player of the Year this year. I think it makes perfect sense. You know, I think, number one, I think the front is going to be good at occupying blocks. And the way that LSU utilized him last year as a pass rusher, I think you're going to see more of that this year. Because it's got to come from somewhere. Now, of course, without Ojolari and Allie Gay, your blocking scheme is going to be a little bit different, right? You're going to find Harold Perkins in a pre-snap read. But I think because of the fact the middle of this defensive line should be good enough to open up some gaps for him. But eight and a half sacks last year and 14 quarterback hurries – it's the guy that lives in the backfield. Absolutely lives in the backfield and just destroyed Arkansas. Absolutely destroyed Arkansas in that game. Uh, so we'll see. And then you've got Omar Spites that's come in um, from Oregon State. So we'll see how that goes. Very productive guy. It's a different league, though. It's a much different league. Uh, if there is a, a problem with this group, it's going to be the secondary again. And I don't know what's happened. You know, LSU used to call themselves DBU. They haven't been nearly as good in the secondary in recent years. Uh, so we'll see. Denver Harris makes the move over from A&M. We'll see what happens. Uh, people talk about Zy Alexander from southeastern Louisiana. My issue with that is is it, it's, it's almost like coming up from junior college, right? It takes some time to acclimate to playing against SEC athletes. That's not to say the guy won't be good, but the reality of it is we don't know. It's going to be a, a new look deal uh, for sure. But, uh, you know, Greg Brooks comes in from Arkansas. They got, they got a bunch of transfers trying to rejuvenate the secondary. And so teams that can throw the football may have some success, provided you can keep the quarterback upright. Because I think Harold Perkins, again, is going to be a real, a, a real dude this year. But I do like this team. I just don't like them as much as Alabama. I think there's a lot of question marks uh, with this secondary. And, again, if with the run defense kind of being up and down at times last year, it's difficult to make teams uh, you know, kind of singular focused when you don't have a secondary. We got a leaky secondary. It's tough. 
It is. Because then all of a sudden your linebackers are kind of called no man's land, right? And what do you do? You know, do you drop them back in coverage? Do you bring them on a pass rush? Do you do, you know, zero coverage? And with, you know, with an inexperienced group out there that's kind of learning to play together that doesn't have a lot of chemistry, uh, there could be, you know, some growing pains in this deal. Could be. Let's take a look at the schedule. Uh, they open up in Orlando against Florida State. That'll be interesting. I, I think if I'm LSU, I want that game again. Now, last year I played at New Orleans, now i got to go to Orlando, which LSU travels. Don't get me wrong. They'll have a bunch of purple and gold there. But that could be interesting. You know, how good is Florida State going to be this year? I guess we'll see. That, that is a great game. That's the Sunday after we play. So you'll be able to watch that. You know, we play September 2nd, and then in primetime, LSU and Florida State. It'll be a lot of fun to watch that game. Uh, be broadcast by ABC. The next week, they get Grambling State. For the second consecutive year, they get an FCS opponent in state the game before they play Mississippi State. And we will host that game at 11 a.m. on September 16th. I'm glad we get LSU early, to be honest with you, before they kind of figure some things out. You know, we've got some things to figure out, too. So you, you really can't say, you know, right now, you know, how each team is going to look offensively. You just can't. And with us transitioning away from the air raid, you know, how much stress can we put on that secondary? Well, I think one of the things that helps is the fact that we're going to be running the football more, and if we can have any success on the ground, and we have in recent years. Last year was a kind of an anomaly because of the fact that uh, we kind of got away from it a little bit. But the reality of it is, is we're not going to know much about Mississippi State or LSU through two weeks. It's a toss-up game. I've got us losing the game because I think LSU is just superior from a talent standpoint. But uh, I like the fact that we have an experienced roster with less question marks at home. The next week they will uh, play Arkansas, and that's been a tough game too. You know, that has been a really tightly contested game in recent years as long as Sam Pittman has been available. The uh, 30th, they travel to Ole Miss. Then they travel to Missouri. Then they host Auburn, they host Army, they're at Alabama, they host Florida, they host Georgia State, and they host A&M. So they're going to end the year after the Alabama game on a three-game home streak and should win those games. But I think when you look at this, is this a New Year's Six team? Is this a team that uh, is going to play in the postseason? Absolutely. I just don't think they can beat Alabama. I I think if I had to call it today, I think they're probably a 10-2 type team. I know a lot of people are forecasting us to beat LSU when they come in here. And what a huge win that would be for Zach Arnett and and company. Again, I'm glad we get them early. I just can't take that step at this point to pick Mississippi State to beat LSU. I don't know if it's a mental thing or whatever. We just tend to have some issues with them. And, you know, in the 80s, there was a time there that we dominated a series. But uh, that hadn't been the way this century. But uh, I like the team, and I like Jaden Daniels, and provided they can keep him healthy, I think they're a team that plays uh, in a very prestigious bowl game. I just don't know if they're going to be able to get Alabama in Tuscaloosa. That'll be a fun game, Saturday, November 4th. Should be a good one. But you look at the schedule, you say, okay, well, Steve, where where are the losses? You know, uh, the Florida State game is a toss-up, and that game is played in Orlando. But I think from an athletic standpoint, I think the fact LSU should have won that game last year. I don't think Brian Kelly's got to do a whole lot to motivate the team. They'll crush Grambling State. I think they'll beat us in a competitive ball game. I think they'll beat Arkansas in a competitive ball game. Um, I think they'll beat Ole Miss. 
and Missouri. I think they'll get Auburn. I think they'll get Alabama. And, you know, there's probably one of these toss-ups they lose here. They're going to lose to Alabama, in my estimation. I've, I've got them 10-2. And, and, and the, I can't pick the two. I know Alabama is one. But the second one, I think that's going to boil down to uh, kind of the shape each team is in by the time you get there. Because every game matters. And, again, you never know the health of a team over the course of a season. If Jaden Daniels goes down, that would mean an awful lot. And that's the case for any, any team, right? I mean, we're not, that's not germane to LSU. Any team that loses a starting quarterback is probably going to drop a game or two they, they, they weren't expecting to. But Jaden Daniels, they got to protect him. they got to be smart with what they do. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this LSU team does. But I like them. I do. I think they're a very intriguing team. And they have committed a lot of uh, scholarship resources, you know, to trying to retool that secondary. And, uh, again, it takes a while to learn some cohesion. And they're not going to learn anything about themselves against Grambling State. They'll have to play to beat Florida State. But I don't think we're going to know much about them. I think there will be some wrinkles, obviously, that they put in for two weeks. When they play Grambling State, they're just going to run a base offense and defense. And, you know, they're not going to put anything out there. It's going to be very vanilla in the play calling. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, but, again, I think LSU will have a really good year this year. Uh, I don't think they get to Atlanta. Uh, but I think, again, LSU is on solid footing with Brian Kelly. And what a great move to go out and lure him away from Notre Dame. And I think when you look at the fact that they were so good in close ball games last year, so good in the fourth quarter, and that's coaching and conditioning, I expect that to carry over. I just don't think it's going to be enough. I don't know – that they can match up athlete to athlete with Alabama. Of course, with a new quarterback at Alabama, you know, are they going to be able to stress that LSU secondary the way they should? Well, by the time they get there, it's going to be November, right? And so by that time, you kind of will have things figured out. I just don't think that going into Tuscaloosa against an Alabama team that feels like that they dropped a game last year they shouldn't have is a recipe for success, especially for a team that um, – you know, that's got some issues on defense. Again, I think the front seven is going to be good. But the front seven begins to break down a little bit when you can't pass protect, when, when you can't defend the pass, my point. So we'll see. We'll see how things progress with them. And um, I picked them second in the West. And, again, I think they go to a really, really nice bowl game this year. And, you know, Jaden Daniels, a lot of people picking him to be the SEC player of the year. I don't know that I agree. But I think that that's a guy that uh, certainly will, will be instrumental – in deciding how the SEC uh, race plays out this year. Simple as that. And, and kind of look at some of the numbers here, too, uh, real quickly before we move on. When you start running through all like – the thing with LSU, too, is it's like they have so many guys that go pro early. You know, it's difficult sometimes to kind of keep up with who they have and what they have and, and kind of what's next. But, you know, looking at numbers, you know, from, from a year ago, it's one of those amazing things you begin to look at and you say, you know what? They didn't just out-athlete people. In some games, they had to out-scheme them. But a lot of this rushing attack fell on the shoulders of Jaden Daniels. You didn't have a single running back that netted more than 532 yards. You know, Josh Williams, 532 last year, played in 11 games. He's a little bit beat up, so maybe that production you know, will increase. But you know, Noah Kane's a guy that a lot of people were excited about. Guys, he netted 409 yards last year. They have got to find somebody to get in there and carry the, the ball regularly and take some of this load off Jaden Daniels. And, again, you, you go back and you look and say, this team won the West? Yeah, they did. 
They did. It's amazing. I mean, it really is. And, again, it goes down to coaching. Coaching and the fact that when the defense needed to bow up, they did. A couple games they got, you know, they give up some big points. But uh, if I told you after that game against Tennessee that, that LSU was going to win the West, you never would have believed it. But they did. The traffic began to clear. They won that big ball game against Alabama. It was nuts. But, again, a very, very good team this year and a team we're going to have a tough time with. Let's just be honest about it. All right, if you hadn't done so, go to whenthebottomfalls.com, and you can get my pre-order my newest book that um, getting set to ship off the print. The uh, editing process is done. They're getting everything formatted out and typeset and all that good stuff, and it takes about five weeks to get it printed, so we hope to have it to you uh, mid to late September. I guess looking more like late September now. But the uh, process is done for me. I'm just waiting around for them to tell me when the release date is, and then I'll ride down to uh, Jackson and and sign all those pre-orders. And um, so I encourage you to go to winthebottomfalls.com. All my sports books are there too. Dog Pile is there. Alpha Dogs is there. Stark Villains is there. Uh, and you can complete your collection. It's one of those things too, and again, maybe it's my ego talking, but like I have a lot of people that come up and say, hey, I got your book. And I'm like, which one? He goes, oh, you wrote more than one? Yeah, yeah, I've written six now. Uh, so what's amazing, people say, hey, I've got Stark Villains, as if that's the book. Uh, I think the book is either Flim Flam or Dogpile, kind of dependent on your rooting interest, but um, it's been a blast. And uh, Dan and I were sitting around yesterday out on the screen porch and just kind of talking about life and, and, and talking about the book and, you know, about how this is going to be received. I've written about a lot of things that I don't really talk about. And, um, and so I'm eager to see how that's received. It's not going to change how I feel about myself. But it may change the way you feel about me. And hopefully it's in a positive way. Uh, I, I didn't get here by accident. I, I can assure you of that. A lot of people along the way uh, helped me, for sure. I had a dream, I had a vision, and had a lot of people that had a helping hand to land across the way. And so uh, I, this is probably the most important thing I'll ever write, is When the Bottom Falls. And go to whenthebottomfalls.com, you can pre-order, and uh, we'll get it out to you. Been on, be on bookshelves here in uh, know, a few weeks. You know, six weeks or so, something like that. And uh, as we get the release date, I'll keep you guys surprised of it. But uh, a lot of people always say, hey, Steve, I love you to death. What can I do to support you? Uh, order the book through the website, whenthebottomfalls.com. Let's talk a little baseball. And uh, so I don't expect Mississippi State to get Braden Montgomery. I did for some time. I never forecasted that we were absolutely going to get him because everything that I heard out there was always a caveat. It's always like, hey, this person says this, but. And I think at the end of the day, I think Braden just doesn't want to come home. And that's what we were told initially. You know, hey, he wants to get closer to home. I don't know that that's really true. You know, the more I talk to people, I think that was kind of the wishes of the family. I don't know that that was necessarily Braden's wishes. And at the end of the day, it's his, it's his life. It's his career. He has to do what's best for him. Uh, I can I can tell you based on what I know that Mississippi State did everything they could do to get Braden Montgomery uh, to be a Diamond Dog. Uh, Ole Miss did all they could do to get him to be a Rebel, and neither of us have been successful. He didn't even really talk to Ole Miss. Uh, he has had some conversations with Mississippi State. Hadn't taken a visit here, uh, and if mem- if memory serves me correct, the week the big contact week. He had 14 Zoom calls, 14. 
and Mississippi State was able to meet with him in person. And so there was room for optimism there. Supposedly he was going to set up a visit. And uh, it's interesting, too. Like, before he went into the portal, I had somebody tell me, they said, hey, this is probably not going to be a long process. I mean, Braden kind of knows, has a good idea what he wants to do. He'll, he'll go in the portal. It shouldn't take long for him to make a decision. And at that point, people fully expected him to come to Mississippi State because a lot of that was the chatter around Germantown. You know, a lot of people that know the family or have, you know, have followed Braden throughout his career said, oh, yeah, this is what everybody's saying. And, and you consistently hear those things. I think at the end of the day, you know, Braden Montgomery just decided, you know what, I, I've got one year to get this thing right. I've had two great years. I'm an All-American candidate. I've got a good chance to be a first-round pick next year. And, uh, you know, selfishly, you know, we look at it from our point of view, and uh, the reality of it is is even in our biased opinions, Mississippi State's a better situation than many of the ones he's considering. And I think at this point it's down to going back to Stanford or – transferring to Texas A&M. And Texas A&M is going to be a decent team. I don't think they're going to be an Omaha team. Uh, and that's one of the things we'd heard, too, is Braden wanted to pitch a little bit more. You know, you got a, you got a guy pitching – a pitching coach at A&M that's never coached in college. So that's interesting to me. At the end of the day, the whys don't really matter. It's the what that matters. Is he coming here or not? Don't expect him, barring some lay change. Just, you know, I, I think that the decision has already been made – it just hasn't been communicated to everybody else. And so we'll move forward. Uh, I like our team. I'd love to love our team, but I do like our team. I think when you look at this thing offensively, like if we went to go play a ball game today, this is how I expect that we would detail this thing. We'd, the lineup for me, I, I'm not going to give you the actual batting order. But you got Bryce Chance in left. And uh, there were times last year he was our leading hitter. Does he have a lot of uh, juice? Nah, he doesn't. But that's a guy that's going to take what the pitcher gives him. He does have some clutch in him. There were times early in the year he did a great job uh, working in the middle of the field. The guy was big with two out-base hits. I think that's your left fielder. As we get ready to enter fall baseball here a week from Wednesday, Connor Isaac's the guy to beat in center field. And that's a guy we were worried about getting some calls. If anybody – Deserve more playing time last year? It's probably Connor Isaac, to be honest with you. He needs at-bats. You know, we tried to work him in at third, work him some at DH. And uh, I think, you know, he's a guy that needs to be in the lineup every day. And people would say, but Steve, you know, it, it, he's not a center fielder. Well, have you seen him play center field? He did a pretty good job in left last year. You know, we'll see how things go. But uh, the guy does have some wheels. And then, of course, Dakota Jordan goes to right field, which is his natural position. I know he played left last year, but with his arm, you need a guy that's got a weapon. And I don't know, Dakota Jordan may have the best arm in right field that we've had since Brad Corley. That's saying a lot. Dakota Jordan is a freak. So that's how I see the outfield kind of playing out. Uh, Kohler from Memphis, I think, is your third baseman. And then I think uh, Dylan Cup will get some time at short, but – Mershon is probably your opening day. Shortstop, I don't think you push Dylan Cup out there just yet. There's some things defensively with him that are really freaky. The bat is probably not where you'd like it to be just yet. And so I think you kind of come along slowly with him, and the reason you're able to do that is because Amani Larry is back. 
I think Larry gives you options. I think most people, including myself, expected Larry to get drafted and signed. He didn't. And so instead of Marshawn going to second and Cup going to short, now you've got a veteran bat back in the lineup. I think sometimes we get so caught up in, in the moment, we don't understand how significant that is. To get Amani Larry back, you weren't going to find that guy in the portal. You know what I'm saying? It's like sometimes we forget that. It's like, oh, we need to go get a portal guy to work middle infield. Well, that need was met because of the fact that Larry returned. It would have been a dicey proposition uh, to think about having to start a sophomore and a freshman in the middle in the Southeastern Conference. That's just kind of calling it for what it is. So Imani comes back, so that gives you a bit of a security blanket there. So you don't have to rush Cup along. Because, again, it, Cup's going to have to hit, hit some pitching. You know, going to see some pitching he's never seen before. And the guy's going to be a star for us in time. But you don't have to throw him out there uh, before he's ready now. But Imani Larry last year, did you know he had the fourth highest batting average on the team? Did you know that? He had 297 last year, had 16 doubles, which led the team, and had seven home runs. So is it inconceivable to think he couldn't get a couple more jacks out of here? and be a double-digit home run guy. I mean, you start looking at last year, you know, we had some guys, you know, we, we thought Slate Offord was going to be that guy. He got to nine. You know, and Slate's gone. And, um, you know, Ross Highfield had nine last year as a true freshman. He had 231, but he had nine bombs. And then on top of that, you bring Hunter Hines back, who hit 22. The school record may be in jeopardy. And a lot of it's going to be because of the fact that you're going to have Dakota Jordan. Uh, Kellum hit 11, Dakota hit uh, 10, and then uh, Colton hit a dozen. So you start working through this and you say, you know what, hey, how do you replace the production of Colton Ledbetter, who led us a 320 batting average and 12 dingers and 52 ribbies? I think you do it by committee, to be honest with you. Uh, is Logan Kohler a potential double-digit guy? Yeah, he is. Is, Col- is Connor Hyzak a potential double-digit home run guy? Well, yeah, he is. You know what Dakota Jordan can do? He's already done it. You know what Hunter Hines can do? He's already done it. But your middle infielders there, you can say, well, you know, Larry, conceivably, could be a double-digit guy. Maybe. You know, he had a big weekend against A&M, right? Uh, so we'll see how things progress with all that. But uh, I think this offense has a chance to be, to be really good. Can they be elite? That remains to be seen. But you've got some interesting pieces. And the thing that I go back to, like this whole Sweet Alford thing, you know, he got hot late, but nine home runs, uh, 36 RBIs last year, and uh, 32 strikeouts. And, and that, again, he missed some time last year, you know, for, for one reason or another. A lot of it was just, you know, bad play. But you begin to ask yourself, okay, can Logan Kohler give us what Sweet Alford gave us offensively? Because you feel like defensively he's going to be better. Um, but, you know, you look at, you know, last year's numbers, you know, for Kohler. You know, played in 52 games, 65 hits, 13 doubles, a triple, 11 dingers, 34 ribbies. And so you start thinking, well, you know, Steve, he didn't see a lot of SEC pitching. That's true. And I don't think that Logan Kohler has to be a star for us. I just think Logan Kohler just needs to be good for us. He doesn't have to be elite. He doesn't have to be a superstar. If he could just make the routine play and then go in there and have a good, you know, a good year at the plate, he's been well worth our investment, right? That's the reality of it. 
But how many games last year did we lose because we couldn't defend the ground ball on the left side of the infield? Several. How many pitches did we have to throw because we couldn't field a ground ball? Several. Dozens. Lost in all of this discussion about pitching is how bad we were defensively on the left side of the field. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And it's not at all what we expect out of Mississippi State baseball. And so we'll move forward for sure. And uh, I think about pitching too. You know, obviously, you know, I think to me the most immediate need that wasn't addressed uh, was Luke Holman, you know, to get the Friday night guy. And to be honest with you, there are probably only about a half dozen of those guys out there. I like Mason Molina a lot from Texas Tech. Could he have been a Friday night guy for us? I don't know. Uh, Peyton Tolls, another one. You know, there's a handful of guys out there. Uh, so the talent pool wasn't as deep as we probably needed it to be. And not to mention, you can't excuse the fact, too. I mean, listen, I get it. People say, well, you know, Lamontis is only guaranteed one more year. Well, these transfers are only going to play one more year. So that's not really the issue. But the issue is, is, hey, I'd love to go to Mississippi State. It's one of the most prestigious programs in all college baseball. But I want a chance to get in the tournament. I want a chance to go play for an NFL championship. I want a chance to get to Omaha. That's a tough sell. You can say, you know, we've done it. Yeah, but coach, the last couple of years, you hadn't even made it to Hoover. And so that makes it kind of a difficult sell. And so the bottom line is we've got to win some games. Uh, what kind of guy can Carson Ligon be? I think he can be really good. I mean, you look around our league here and you think everybody's scrambling for arms. And we're able to get two Power 5 weekend starters to come in. And even if they prove to be Saturday-Sunday guys, then we've – improved our stock. Uh, I also wouldn't write off the possibility of Nate Dome starting at all. Wouldn't give up on that in the least. I wouldn't give up on Colby Holcomb being in the mix. Uh, I think Cam Schulke coming in gives you some real options. And, uh, I, you, know, you know what I see him as? And you, you may see it differently. I kind of see Schulke – pardon me, is uh, kind of like we use Jared Liebelt. Like when you have that big moment in the ball game, you know, so instead of like pushing him to be the starter or whatever, that guy didn't come in there and uh, give you some quality middle relief and get it to your closer. Is that, is that going to be Stone Simmons? I don't know. You, know. you got some options now. Obviously, um, you'd like to have Nixon back, but it didn't, didn't work out the way we wanted it to. But we have placed a lot of emphasis on who's coming in. I think at times we forget about how good Cam Schulke is. Uh, that's a dude, and uh, for a while there, he was leading the Cape Cod in strikeouts per nine inning. And so I'm eager to see what he does and what he can do to our team. Because if you let's be honest about it, even when we got quality starts last year, you know there were times that we just couldn't get quality middle relief. You know we'd have to pull the starter, we'd be in a ball game, and next thing you know, the game is over before we get to Nixon or we get to Nate. And so let's just kind of work through all of that, but. A lot of people look at it and say, well, Steve, we didn't go get a Friday night starter. Well, Justin Parker may see things a little differently than you and I do. What if he thinks Nate is the Friday night guy? What if he thinks Colby is the Friday night guy? Now, both of those guys have some work to do. And with a new pitching coach, you'd hope they get it done. But uh, the one thing I can tell you this is if, if Nate Dome ends up being a starter on the weekend, nobody's going to work harder than that dude. You might as well get ready for that. And we forget sometimes, too, you know, where are we going to be with Bradley Lofton? 
right? I don't think he's ready to be a Friday night guy. I mean, that's probably maybe next year. But I had people telling me at a high school he was good enough to pitch for us on Sundays. It's a high schooler. Uh, does he end up being, you know, a Tuesday night starter and then a middle reliever on the weekend, or does he challenge for a starting spot too? That's important to understand. And then, you know, we, we forget about Gerangelo. You know, Gerangelo should take a jump this year. There were times last year Gerangelo was outstanding. We had to pitch him on Fridays because we, we had to have him. And you know, we go out and sign that guy, and everybody expects him to go in the draft, and he elects to come to school. You know, we signed him hoping he would be a Friday night guy. He's not a proven Friday night guy just yet. And towards the end of the year, things kind of got upside down for him. But I share that with you. You know, the Luke Holman thing makes everything easier because if you get Luke Holman, and now you got to play against him, uh, but Luke Holman, he moves everybody back a day. And then it allows you some other options. And so that's the big loss to me. And uh, I know it's like every time a name hits a portal and people are like, oh, we got to get this kid, and we, we didn't need him or we didn't pursue him. Uh, but the reality of it is, is, you know, the Braden Montgomery thing was absolutely a bonus. But the reality of it is, is, man, how, how great would it have been to have that kid? Have him hidden in front of uh, Hunter Hines and Dakota Jordan. Be incredible. But we don't have him. And we may end up playing against him if he goes to A&M. I mean, my hope is he goes back to Stanford. But I, I feel like it's probably going to be A&M. I think that's what's going to happen. But I like our team. I, I said I'd love to love our team. And we'll get started in fall baseball pretty soon, and we'll have a chance to see what these guys can do. Um, there's, some, there's some young guys coming in, too, that uh, you know, people forget. You know, Hunter Hines showed up on campus and was uh, not heavily recruited, not highly rated. And, and what would our life be like today if we didn't have Hunter Hines? Uh, Dakota Jordan was a guy that wanted to play football and baseball, you know, and then there was a lot of people around him encouraging him to sign a pro contract. He looked to come to school. We, we may have the best three, four hitter combo in the country. And of course, if A&M gets Braden Montgomery, I don't know where they put him in the order that they, they could rival that too, but the rest of that lineup, is not a lot of depth. And I think that's the issue with us. You know, old wins in baseball, experience wins in baseball. But you want to put your most talented players out there. And when your most talented players are also your most experienced, you generally have a very special season. Uh, I don't know that we're going to have a special season. But I think for many of us, we want to take not just a step, but multiple steps back in the right direction. Are we good enough to win a regional with the lineup we have? I think we are. And I'll tell you, I know there's people out there, oh, Steve, there's no way we're not going to win a game. There's a bunch of that. Uh, And that's a little hyperbole. But I think when you look around the league, there's holes in every team. I, honestly, I think we have less than most of the teams in the Southeastern Conference. And uh, as things begin to settle, when guys get into class or whatever, you know, Auburn just lost a big guy to the free agent deal. Uh, they'll have Gonzalez back. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I had a chance to meet him last year. The wing joint over at Auburn. Like going to Auburn, I do. We got a lot of friends over there, right? Greg Dry, Butch, everybody, the Coens, everybody over there. We've got a lot of people over there that know us. But um, when I look around this league, you know, Arkansas looks to be the most complete team. And outside of that, there's a ton of question marks, a ton. And there's not a lot of programs within the Southeastern Conference this year that have a bona fide SEC weekend rotation. I don't know how good the league is going to be, to be honest with you. People say, well, you know, Steve, it's the SEC. I, I don't know if it's the year of the pitcher this year. Again, you start looking around the league. I mean, like last year, I, let's be honest about it. Let's be 
absolutely brutally honest. Outside of Florida last year, did we have a dominant pitching staff in the Southeastern Conference, including LSU? You take Paul Skeens away, which you have to include him because he was their Friday night guy. It was pretty pedestrian. Even Ty Floyd had a good year. Don't get me wrong. I'm not underselling him. But there wasn't a lot of depth in that LSU rotation. And then you lose, what, five of your top six inning throwers from a year ago. So pitching-wise, they like, oh, but they got the next guy. They didn't. They didn't. You know, Holman's going to be good. He's not Paul Skeens. I'm not being critical of Luke Holman. I think the guy's a great pitcher. But the reality of it is, is you, again, you look around the league, there's not a lot of people out there that have this bona fide SEC rotation. Of course, Ole Miss will try to convince Baseball America and D1 Baseball that, you know, they're going to be, you know, the next, uh, you know, Maddox and Glavin and, and Smith or whatever. That's what they're going to try to do. But um, that's just not the case. And I think the deeper we get into fall baseball, this thing is going to come to shape. And I think you guys are going to realize, too, that we are going to be a team that's going to be uh, in Hoover and in the postseason. That's how I see it today. And uh, I like to think I'm never a prisoner at the moment, but I'll be honest with you, losing the Braden Montgomery thing really stung, really, really stung, just because, in fact, I think you start thinking about this lineup. I had a Major League Baseball scout told me that if Mississippi State added Braden Montgomery, it's probably the third most potent lineup in the country, which says a lot about our lineup, with or without him, right? And so, again, you play your best players, and hopefully your best players are also your most experienced players, and you kind of move forward. we got a lot of draft-eligible guys who are going to need a big year this year, and uh, you certainly want to get back to the postseason. But, um, again, it is what it is. We're, barring some, something completely unforeseen, Braden Montgomery's not going to come here, and we're done in the portal. I'll have a recap with Chris Simonis uh, later in the week, kind of recap in the summer and kind of preview in fall baseball. And uh, we'll look forward to that, and then we'll turn the page. You know, we'll turn the page and be football and then uh, Nemo, and I'll be out some fall baseball scrimmages on occasion. But the reality of it is is – Football season's here, and uh, portal season has kind of kept us busy between summer football camps and things of that nature. But it's time for us to start really forecasting our uh, our coverage towards uh, towards football and uh, looking forward to kind of removing this as a topic of conversation. I can talk about college baseball all year, but when football season's here, I want to talk football. That's going to do it for today, and I'll be back tomorrow. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.